You're troubled along the path. I want to encourage you, as the Bible says, to cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. Don't bear a burden that Jesus died on a cross to relieve. Let Him lighten your load. Don't be troubled along the way. Be joyful. Be carefree because of who God is for you. Have you ever tried to lift a package that was too heavy for you to carry? Did you try to figure out a way to move it yourself or did you ask for help? In the daily toils of life, we humans most often try to figure out a way to solve our problems ourselves. Pastor Daniel will be reminding you that there are always going to be hardships that you just can't solve yourself. There's someone, God, who knows about your trouble and has a solution for you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 45 as he continues his message, Reunion in Egypt. It was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. That's a reunion, isn't it? Once Joseph sees Judah with a heart change, doing what they didn't do for Joseph, now for Benjamin, he can't control himself anymore. He sends all the Egyptians out, and he's just there with his brother, and he reveals himself to his brothers. He reveals himself. I am Joseph, your brother. And they are certifiably freaked out. They're freaked. They're dismayed at his presence. He's like, no, no, I'm Joseph. And obviously they'd be freaked out because they thought that their brother was dead. I mean, who knew what was going to happen? But know what I love about all this? Joseph is God-centered. Joseph looks at his circumstances not through the eyes of the physical, but through the eyes of the spiritual. I mean, Joseph hasn't had an easy go, has he? He was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. He was good in Potiphar's house, but he ended up being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He ended up in jail. He did good when he was in jail. He was a good in prison guy. He served the other people. When the butler and the baker had their dreams, he interpreted their dreams. But he was still there. If anybody in the Bible could have been bitter, it was Joseph. 
I mean, Joseph had all sorts of reasons, justifiable reasons for bitterness. But you notice what he says? You guys didn't send me here. God sent me here. And you know why God sent me here? To preserve life. And brothers and sisters, that is a perspective that the people of God need to grab hold of. That in the trials of life, and trials happen, that God has a plan. And the reality that God has a plan is not a platitude or a plaque. It's not just some sort of way to have positive thinking. The reality is, is that in all things, at all times, God is in control and God has a plan. And that is why as Christians, we need to learn how to suffer well, to go through trials well, to realize that God is at work in the midst of things that we don't understand. Joseph now sees what's going on. He says, listen, God sent me here. And because I was here, I was able to get those dreams seven years before the famine hit. And we were able to build up all these reserves. And had this not happened, my whole family, Jacob and his sons, and all of their livestock, they would have been poor. They would have lost everything. But Joseph realizes that all this happened to get me here so that we could all live. And that's the problem with trials for us. Because we know that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Looking back at it, it's twenty twenty. But foresight often isn't twenty twenty, is it? When you're looking into a situation, when we're looking into it, it's hard to see what God is up to. I was just thinking about this as I was reading this today. I was thinking about when my mother passed away. As a lot of you know, I've talked about it before. My mother was 49 when she lost her battle to cancer. You know, when you're 21 years old and you're watching your mother go through chemo and radiation, I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. And I remember when my mother passed away, I was bewildered. What do you do with that? I wasn't a Christian at the time, so I didn't have an eternal view anyway. But I look back on that now and I say, God, you did some tremendous things through it. Tremendous things. But that's the beauty of being able to look back on it. Remembering what it was like before and seeing how God used it. You know, and and once I came to know Christ, I started to realize that, you know, as Christians, we should have foresight that's 2020. We don't know all the details, but we know that God's got a plan, that God's at work. That God's going to bring beauty out of ashes. Even though things don't make any sense, God knows what he's doing. And that God is good. And he has a good plan. And I just really get the sense that we need to hold on to that. That for some of us, we're teetering on the edge right now. It's so easy to be absolutely terrified looking ahead. I always think of Moses, and we're going to get to this in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel left Egypt, and the Sea of Reeds was in front of them, and Pharaoh's army was behind them. You know, and Moses says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord, and all of a sudden the sea parted, it was like walls on either side, they walked through, and when they got to the other side of the Sea of Reeds, then they sang the song of Moses. I've always thought to myself, as Christians, we should be able to sing the song of Moses before the Red Sea parts. Because we know that God's got a plan. And that no matter how things work out, God is glorifying himself through the circumstances of our lives. So, brother, sister, going through a season, a trial, a struggle, 
Let's learn from Joseph. Let's learn from the admonition of Scripture. Your circumstances are not happenstance. They're not the necessarily the manipulations of mean-spirited people. God's doing something. God has a plan. And God's plan is to preserve life. And not only that, I mean, look at what happens in verse 8 here. Look what he says. He's like, and now it is not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Wow. He's like, not only did God send me here to save us all, but he made me a father, a Lord, and a ruler while he was at it. Talk about some ancillary benefits to being a child of God. While God is working these things out, he is also doing a lot of other things. Things beyond what we realize. Things beyond what we realize. Now, once we hit verse 16, it's been a glorious reunion. Joseph is weeping. He's kissing his brothers, happy to be together. Now we pick up in verse 16. Look at what it says. Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land in Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives and bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Wow. Not only are they going to go to Egypt, but they're going to Egypt in style. Now, I mean, you read as you know, we're going to send carts with you. That doesn't sound all that exciting for us. This would be like Pharaoh sending his private jet. I mean, they were walking in those days. So bringing a cart for your kids, that's kind of a cool thing. But Pharaoh's pulling out all the stops. He's excited that Joseph's brothers are there. And he's saying, listen, just bring them. We're going to send our carts. Don't even worry about your goods. We're going to take care of you. We're going to give you the best of the land. Bring everybody with you. Now, in verse 21, then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. And he sent to his father these things, 10 donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for his father for the journey. And so he sent his brothers away, and they departed. And he said to them, see that you do not become troubled along the way. So Joseph sent gifts back home. To each of them, they got a change of clothes. I like that. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us in the New Testament. It talks about how we're supposed to put off the old Man and put on the new man. This word picture of changing clothes. Now, you guys know we live here in the Northwest. It's raining outside. And one of the things that's very cool, and I wish I grew up in the Northwest, is that when it's raining outside, it doesn't stop you from going outside and playing. So I love it. My son Obadiah, he's a little dirt guy, you know, and so when it's raining out, he comes and he's all muddy. And so what do we do? We just let him get in the bed in his muddy clothes? No, right? Well, we could, he'd like that, actually. He'd probably think that was fun. But we don't do that, right? When he comes on in, we hose him off. 
We give him some new clothes. We give him a bath. That's exactly what the Lord has done for us. He's removed the soiled garments of sinfulness. And he's robed us with the righteousness of Christ. That change of clothes, it's almost a ceremonial changing. And so Joseph, sending his brothers away, sends them with changes of clothes. Beautiful. Not only that, he gives his brother Benjamin extra gifts where he ends up giving him all these gifts of honor where he gives him money and uh, five changes of garments. It's also interesting that Jacob gets gifts as well from his son Joseph. He gets 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt in verse 23, 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and food for the journey. And in notice in verse 24, Joseph is also concerned that his brothers will not become troubled along the way. Now, in a lot of ways, again, Joseph is being a picture of Jesus here. Because Jesus... When we relate with Jesus, we realize that the reason Jesus died was for us, right? Our blessings come at Jesus' hardship. The blessings of Jacob's sons came at Joseph's hardships. But Joseph was concerned that his brothers would become troubled along the way. And I just have a simple exhortation for each one of us. Don't become troubled on the way. It's so easy to be troubled, isn't it? I mean, there's so many things to be troubled about. But we are all journeying from where we are now to our ultimate abode in heaven. And I believe that God wants us not to be weighed down with cares and burdens. He doesn't want us to be troubled along the road. He wants to lighten our load. He wants us to take it easy. Isn't that what it says in Matthew chapter 11? That the Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if you're here today and you're weighed down with troubles, you're troubled along the path, I want to encourage you, as the Bible says, to cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Don't bear a burden that Jesus died on a cross to relieve. Let him lighten your load. Don't be troubled along the way. Be joyful. Be carefree because of who God is for you. Now in verse 25, Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still, because he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, his father, revived. Then Israel said, it is enough Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. This is beautiful, isn't it? They get back to Canaan. They tell Jacob, and notice this. When they first tell Jacob that Joseph is alive, it says that Jacob's heart stood still. You know, it's interesting. A lack of faith will always cause fear. That word fear, you guys have heard this fear, false expectations appearing real, F-E-A-R, false expectations appearing real. See, when we don't trust God, fear is the natural response. And fear is false expectations appearing real. Things that we think are going to happen 
They look like they're going to happen, but they're not rational. They're not real. They're false. And in the ways that we lack faith, that's where fear comes from. We know the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Now, we know that that perfect love that casts out fear, there are numerous types of fear in the Bible. There's the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear that we're talking about is this irrational fear, this fear that tomorrow is not taken care of, that God doesn't have control. And we live in a fearful culture. We live in fearful times. The reason we're fearful is because we do not trust. Isn't that what the Sermon on the Mount Matthew chapter 5 is all about. I always think, what is it, chapter 6, where he talks about the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And over and over again, it says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And I think it's an important reality for us in Matthew chapter 6. Because Jesus is saying, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have a little worm factory to make sure they have enough but God provides for them. He said, aren't you of more value than birds? He said, look at the lilies of the field. There's not a lily fashion show. They don't have to get the new styles, make sure they're decked out. He's like, look, King Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Don't be afraid. And it's interesting that the cure for fear is faith. Now, I want to say something about this because we're getting to the end here and you're not taking a leap of faith. People always say that, that it's like a leap in the dark. I don't believe that at all. Actually, if you just read your Bible, faith is a logical next step to the reality that God is real. I mean, if you look back over your life, everything didn't work out the way you expected it to, but God has always been faithful. And God's faithfulness in the past encourages us that God has control over the present and the future. Sometimes when people say, well, God has been faithful to me because my life didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. That's not God not being faithful. That's you just thinking that you're God. And we all struggle with that. That's why the first commandment is, you have no other gods before me. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the serpent said, look, if you eat it, you'll be like God. And they bought that lie, but they're not God. So just because our lives don't work out the way we expect them to doesn't mean that God isn't faithful. It just means that God has a different plan for our lives than we have for ourselves. But God is faithful. You look back over your life, God has been faithful. Like, to go back to me, when my mother passed away, it'd be really easy for me to mail it in, just like, oh, God, if there was a God, why would my mother die at 49? Why would I never get my mom to be with me, to dance with me on my Wedding day. I mean, come on, isn't that what is supposed to happen? And I could very easily have said, God isn't faithful. But God is totally faithful. God's numbered each one of our days. My mother got 49 years, and it was a blast. And yeah, I didn't get to dance with her on my wedding day. I got to dance with my grandmother. It's probably better because I stepped on my grandma's toes. My mom would have gotten mad at me. My grandma just loves me. She loves the snot out of me, as she likes to say. But the reality is is that God is faithful. So by me encouraging you that faith cures fear, I'm not asking you to take a blind leap into a dark, hopefully that's going to work out. I'm asking you to take the next logical step with the reality of who God is for us in Christ. Just take that step of faith. 
Just say, look, yes, I can't see it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. But what's interesting is, even if you won't take the step of faith in God, you're still trying to live by faith anyway, because you do trust in something, something that you're not sure about. All humans live by faith, even science. You know, I posted on the internet that science is man's observation of God's art. And if you take a statistics class, any statistics class will tell you that any scientific experiment is 99.9% statistically significant. And I remember sitting in stat class as a freshman in college, being like, why is it always only 99.9%? And they said, well, we can never actually do enough experiments to make sure we covered all the variables. So there's always that 0.1% chance that our observations are wrong. I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's honest. And then when I came to know Jesus, I realized, hey, that's faith. All the evidence done in a million different ways, they still need to account for the fact that they didn't get everything right, but they can trust it. That 0.1%, that's faith. Everybody's a man of faith and a woman of faith. It's just a matter of people all the time say, I don't have any faith. I'm like, yes, you do. Well, I don't believe in organized religion. I'm like, so you like non-traditional faith. You like disorganized religion. Now, only say that to somebody if you want to get in a little bit of an argument, okay? But I love that kind of stuff. Like, I don't like organized religion. I'm like, so you like disorganized religion. Okay, we can work with that. But everybody has faith. It's just a matter in what and why. But there's not a person who lacks faith. Somebody who believes in evolution, they have faith in evolution because they never saw, they never saw it. Never seen it. They have faith. They have faith that the evidence points in that direction, but it's still faith. So lack of faith produces fear. But notice what else happens for Jacob here. And when they told him, verse 27, all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. I like this. True faith will cause your spirit to revive. When we trust in the Lord, he renews our strength. That's what happens for Jacob. He gets encouraged. And notice it says, then Israel said. Now he's called Israel. The one who's governed by God. It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Yes. Jacob has been revived by his faith. Because he's trusting that Joseph is alive. Jesus is So Jacob gets to see his long lost and presumed dead son, Joseph, again. What Jacob's sons had told him, he confirms with his own eyes. Pastor Daniel taught of the role that faith played in this episode of Jacob's life. Now faith in what God tells us needs to play in our lives. As we live out our lives with their twists and turns, we need to have as our anchor a belief that what God said, he will see to completion. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will begin a new teaching, Adoption of Joseph's Sons. You'll hear about the reunion of all of Joseph's family, his brothers and sisters and all their possessions in Egypt as they live out the remaining years of the famine. Jacob's going to come to the end of his life and Pastor Daniel is going to talk about a unique thing that Jacob is going to do with Joseph's sons. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Brothers. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.